afternoon and welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. It's hard to believe we're talking spring planting already. We're sitting, of course, the 11th of April. And to our listeners in the Dakotas and our listeners in Wisconsin, they're thinking, yes, Susan, we're nowhere near ready to get in the field. But Nebraskans are already in the field. Work is underway, and especially when you look to our neighbors uh, to the south as well. But we also had a WASDE report that came out today. Not a lot of fireworks that happened with that report. So we'll take a look at WASDE numbers, take a look at where we're at with planting. And of course, Mother Nature, is this going to be another weather related type of market trend we're going to find out all the details today as darren fessler is joining us with lakefront futures so got to start out with this wazdy report we always get that anticipation build up but it just did not have a lot of excitement to it no and, and you know coming off of the planning intentions and in, in, you know last month and then quarterly stocks we didn't really get anything we didn't get the new acreage adjustments we haven't got the yield yet I mean, those are going to come in, in force ahead here. But the market right now is solely focused on, one, the U.S. bean market is moving out of the export window. And we're focusing a lot more on how the U.S. planting and how this weather progresses uh, for the corn and the bean market. Now, if you look at the recent price action in the wheat market, especially the HRW, you know, and you look at the, the, the crop conditions in parts of Kansas, you know, it's it's hard to say that over the next week they're going to get better here because there's a little rain. There's a little rain from Nebraska as well. So, you know, you look at the look at how the how windy it's been in some areas of the Western Corn Belt over the last couple of weeks here. And it has really dried a lot of things out here. But it, again, I think that uh, this market is just trying to adjust to one. Uh, what the potential may come to be here on this early part of the growing season, and in in general, the commodities as a whole they continue to feel really heavy. So um, that's kind of what we're going to start off here with the, in the, in the early parts of this growing season, just trying to the dynamics of coming off of tight stocks use, and then what potentially could be uh, uh, on our production. So. Weather-wise, um, every year we talk about, is this going to be the year where we're more of a weather-dominated market? But as dry as it has continued to be, even though areas of southwest Texas got some nice showers in the last day or so, there's a lot of concerns about all the dust that's flying with those planters in the field. Oh, yeah. And, and a lot of clients in, in Kansas, that, I mean, they're, they're, they're going, they're hot and heavy planting, they're spraying. But it's just there's no relief in, the, in, in, the, in, in that region. I mean, if you're in the... Uh, you know, near the eastern side of the state, you're certainly going to get it. Now, there is some shots in the eastern part of Nebraska into western Iowa in the 10-day forecast, but this, this is a uh, still an environment. When you start looking at the drought monitor, you start looking at the, the, the subsoil uh, root zone moisture levels, um, it is dry. And, and I'm not saying it can't change, but I think that, you know, given where, you know, December corn continues to hold five uh, 550, I think you need to put some premium back into this market just a little bit it's not to say we're going back up to six or 650 but to have some seasonalities come into play here as well i think that i think it's conducive for at least some opportunities for guys to you know sit on the sidelines for the time being but wait for some higher levels to get more aggressive with those hedges now many folks are saying okay well we got the the planters starting to roll to the south but not a lot of chatter uh continuing for south america is how this crop has been developing yeah you're you're exactly right now the brazil Brazil is about 82, let's call it almost 90% by the end of the week here, done with bean harvest. Now, their safrina corn crop is looking okay, um, and it, it, it is 
forecast to be a pretty decent crop. Now, the USDA is thinking 125 on that crop. I'm kind of thinking the same ballpark. Well, obviously, you're going to have to watch the continued conditions in Rio Grande do Sul and southern parts of Brazil. That's the most southern state in the country. They've been experiencing a lot of dryness and drought, not as bad as Argentina, but significant enough that it could move the needle just a wee bit here. And, you know, I think you look at the recent sales that we've made to China on our corn, I, I think we got to kind of keep a, a, a bigger macro picture in play here. These sales are really nice, even though we are playing some catch-up. The global tensions around these sales in, in, in China in particular with Taiwan and then China having more deals and done with some European countries over the weekend kind of puts a little bit of wish-wash is escalation starting to, to rise uh, between the U.S. and China? I think that's kind of maybe what the market's gravitating toward, especially when you look at maybe the, the bean market or even the corn market as it being one of their, you know, obviously China being the biggest buyer of those products. You just got to keep this in mind that the relationship is much better with Brazil at the moment uh, with China than it is U.S. with China. So I think the producers as a whole, we need to, uh, we need to keep that in the back burner of our minds here. What about the basis for Brazil? Oh, yeah, the basis, the bean basis in Brazil continues to really collapse. Now, the, the Brazilian farmers are flooding, literally flooding their market uh, full of beans right now. The demand picture for beans right now to China is not all that great. So that's really starting to push pressure versus the, the CBOP prices here. Now, even though the bean prices are moving higher, it's much more of a seasonality here. But the concern here is if you get these rallies in beans, especially new crop beans, as we move out of our export window and we don't have a weather concern, let's say we don't have weather, you got to be aggressive sellers of this bean market because, again, Brazil is going to supply the Chinese needs from here on out probably until the, at least uh, the, the first parts of, uh, of their growing season in, in South America. Let's call it November, December for sure. Um, so, again, our export window is closing. I think that that is going to reflect on the balance sheet in future reports here. So our carryouts at $210 million, I think that jumps to around 300 to $350 million if you don't have weather this growing year. All right, well, stick around, folks. We've got a lot more to digest as we get ready for the second half of the Fontenelle Final Bell. When we come back, we're going to have a quick discussion about what's going on with this winter wheat crop, hearing a lot of uh, issues with winter kill, which should come as no surprise, but even hearing some, some pickups when it comes to spring wheat planting that is already underway. Lots to look at, especially on the livestock side of it as well. As a real quick on those markets, we saw some higher numbers for the live cattle and the feeder cattle. Did not mention that at the beginning of the show, but lower for the hogs. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Hey, Tom, I see a Fontenelle sign there on your North 80. That corn looks pretty good. Well, yeah, my neighbors had good luck with Fontenelle, so I decided to give it a try. They've been around for quite a while? Well, sure have. In the last three seasons, Fontenelle's 15 top-yielding corn products had over a nine-bushel advantage over Pioneer's commercially available leading volume corn products. Wow, that's impressive. I'm thinking I might add some Fontenelle to my farm. Well, just contact your local dealer or go to Fontenelle.com if you want more information. Read and follow pesticide label directions, grain marketing, and other stewardship practices. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. We're continuing the conversation this afternoon with Darren Fessler. Darren, of course, with Lakefront Futures. So the wheat complex has been one kind of an interesting roller coaster to watch. Now, today it was down again into the negatives. I think spring wheat was one that took the biggest drop. 
But the amount of agronomists that I'm talking to this last week or so, Darren, that are talking about the winter kill and and how bad it is, at what point is this wheat market going to go, okay, something's not right out here. I know they say it has nine lives, but at what point is it going to get the attention of Chicago? Yeah, that that is an excellent question, by the way, because the, when when we're talking about the funds are short wheat, when the mark when we're talking about that, we're more or less talking about the Chicago market. But wheat, as in general, they're relatively short this market, and they're 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 pushing these shorts. I think they're pushing their luck personally, because anything can shift gears here in in the Black Sea region or in the wheat market in general. But the the problem is not necessarily. The condition that that is a big problem, but we are we have when we're talking wheat, we gotta look at the big picture here. So we are competing against France, you compete against Ukraine and Russia, which have a much cheaper supply relative to wherever they're shipping it. So we're always going to be the higher price, and you know some of the more higher price wheat in the world. That's just how we are logistically. But there is a definite, definite issue with with the winter wheat belt right now. I mean, conditions. If you look at the good, excellent, they they downticked this last week. Very poor to poor uh, went higher, and it's it's. I think it's going to only continue to get worse here until it rains. And so, to me, it 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 is it is simply comes down to. Kansas City relative to Chicago is at historic levels in that spread. And I think that is some of the problem here where it may weigh on it. We have a story in wheat. We have a story in spring wheat. We have a story in winter wheat. There's no story in Chicago, though. So the contrarian me says, hey, Chicago's probably the better buy versus Kansas City, even though Chicago doesn't have the story. So I think we have to watch one in the next, say, 10 to 14 days. We've got to watch the forecast. It's very dry. Conditions are going to continue to decline. The question that I have is how much of that wheat actually gets abandoned or does it get planted at something else as it goes summer fallow? I, I don't know these answers yet, but I can tell you there's clients that continue to send me pictures, and I can tell you my yard looks better than some of the wheat I'm seeing. It is a disaster. Um, so, again, the spring wheat market, you you let off and saying that, hey, that, that had a pretty uh, pretty decent day here or a pretty big down day. The, the, the issue with the spring wheat here is the Dakotas, especially North Dakota, is really going to see a lot of snow melt this week. May, may or not, you know, create some flooding issues. Definitely some muddy fields, but the idea that maybe they can get out there and plant uh, it is much more optimistic than it was just, say, 10 days ago. So the, the question with spring wheat, though, I have from the fundamental side, it still is not to a level where I don't think it's going to conduce uh, or convince uh, people to really plant it relative to corn. So I I think the USDA is on to something. We're probably going to get closer to that 92 million on that corn number. Did, oh, switching gears a little bit, did the WASDE report help the cattle momentum that we saw today? You know, the, the cattle are fundamentally strong. We had talked about this over the last year. And, and, and I, again, I, what I was telling guys here today is I, you look at the cash market. I'm still a big believer that the fat market needs to go up higher relative to some of what where these feeders' cash prices are because fats right now don't make a whole lot of sense. So 
I'm watching the weather very closely. If if the rain start to come back here to the western belt here and in parts of eastern Colorado and Kansas where there's a lot of feed yard, then I think that maybe this this cattle could settle down a little bit and start having some corrections, you know, constructions to the downside. But in general, the fundamental story remains friendly here. And again, I, I do think that these things can push higher here. You start taking a look at some of these really deferred. I mean, if you're out there having some fat cattle out for April, these things had another high today. We're up by, you know, 10, 11, 12 sessions in a row versus, you know, 13. I mean, it, it's these April 24s pushing 178 now maybe providing some guys some pretty decent hedge opportunities if you're thinking longer term but in general I, i'm still friendly cattle i remain friendly cattle i just think that feeders at the moment the cash side of things is getting a little lofty compared to where the fat market currently is so the fats need to come up here just a little bit more to catch up with that cash feeder market what about the struggle for the hogs Oh boy, what a what a struggle in that market as well. You know, we continue to find resistance right at that five and nine day moving averages. I think the hog side of things, though, you get around this 86, 87. I continue to think that these are these are buying opportunities for funds. Funds are just, you know, they're really short this market at the moment here. All right, lots of great things today. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? They can reach me directly at 312-858-3668, and they can always find me on Twitter at DDFAlpha. All right, that is today's Fontenelle Final Bell. As we always remind you, commodity futures and options do involve a substantial risk of loss not suitable to all investors. The Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local dealers. You can check this out as a podcast at ruralradionetwork.com or wherever you subscribe for your free podcast. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network.